Here we go. It is Thursday. Welcome in. Steelman and Thune at noon, presented by Lasher Home Comfort Systems for our first hour. Tim Lasher, great Sooner, great company. Welcome in. You can always hit us up on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. Or you can also ring us up on the law offices of uh, Rod Polston, Oklahoma Tax Resolution Line, 405-329-9000. That's 405-329-9000. Parker, how's your Thursday going? Gosh, is it already Thursday? It is. Man, it it feels like this week has gone by fast. Maybe that's just because we're all sitting and waiting on old Jackson Dart to figure out what on earth he's going to do. He's going to Ole Miss, right? Well, (laughs) it's funny, Mike. You talk to BYU people, he's going to BYU. You talk to Ole Miss people, he's going to Ole Miss. You talk to OU people, he's going to OU. I... I'm sure it's happened before, but I can't recall an instance where people in every camp had legitimate confidence that they were going to get a guy. I guess maybe the last circumstance I can recall that was similar was honestly the recruitment of Tristan Lee about a year ago when OU thought they were getting him and Florida and LSU felt confident and all along he was covertly signed with Clemson. So, But it's not often, Mike, that... You have three schools, and people plugged in at all three schools, confident that that particular school is going to end up with a guy like this. What have we heard, though, about uh, Jackson Dart? We have heard that he wants to go somewhere with his buddy Michael Trigg, right? And, uh, you know, I'm sure the the home heart strings are tugging for BYU, but we're hearing from BYU that Michael Trigg doesn't want to go to BYU. So... In that situation, you you look at the BYU deal and you think, well, if we're, what we're hearing is right. And BYU, you know, unless Michael Trigg changes his mind says, guess what, I'm going to play for the Cougars, I don't know. And for OU, I've always thought this one thing, and it's only because this is the way I think about uh, modern-day athletes. They want to play. They want to play. They don't necessarily want to compete as much. If you have a situation where you're basically guaranteed to be the starter – uh, at a pretty good program, and Ole Miss is a pretty good program in a great conference. OU is a great program in a good conference, decent conference. But you're going to have to compete with Dylan Gabriel, and you're going to have to compete with Dylan Gabriel's knowledge of the Jeff Levy playbook as well. And that's why I always have thought that this is going to wind up being Ole Miss. Like You guys talk to people in the know much more than I do. But that's just what I've thought for a long time is that that's the way it's going to wind up. But we'll have to wait and see. My question is, and by no stretch of the imagination am I saying it's not going to be Ole Miss in the end. That's not how I want this to be interpreted. But my question is, if it is Ole Miss, why wasn't this done a week and a half ago after the official visit to Ole Miss? And you can say the same thing about OU, though, right? Well, not necessarily, because Ole Miss was the second of those two official visits. So, you know, it's kind of one of those things where you see what Oklahoma has to offer, then you go to Ole Miss, and if you like Ole Miss, you prefer it to Oklahoma, what what is there to consider at that point? What is left to consider? I don't know, man. This is crazy that it's taken this long, and uh, surely there's not a notion out there from the uh, Jackson Dart and uh, that camp that, well, we we better hold out and just make 100% certain that Caleb Williams isn't coming back to Norman. Because if we commit and all of a sudden we get thrown this massive curveball that Caleb Williams is coming back, then we're right back at square one. 
You don't think they're thinking that, do no, you? No, I don't because I feel like at that point, if that was the concern they had, they'd probably get on the horn with OU, right? Get on the horn with Brent Venables and Jeff Levy and be like, hey, can you promise us that if we commit to OU – you're going to close the door on Caleb Williams coming back. And I don't feel like Venables and Levy would have any problem doing that at that point because if you have Dylan Gabriel and you have Jackson Dart, why even open yourself up to the possibility of Caleb Williams returning? All right, are we still hearing that? Do you believe that it will be Wisconsin for Caleb Williams? Or do you think uh, Shoe is going to get him in the end? It's looking less and less like Shoe is going to get him in the end. And I, I think I said it yesterday, but... The reality is he's visited UCLA. He's seen what that school has to offer him and what that fit might be. He hasn't visited Wisconsin yet, and I know there's a lot of buzz for Wisconsin, and deservedly so, because from the beginning, whether people wanted to believe it or not, Wisconsin was going to be a player in all of this before it's all said and done. And I I understand that if he does visit Wisconsin, things could change and that process could accelerate and maybe he really takes to the environment there and he ends up a Badger. That's certainly within, in the realm of possibility. In fact, there's a good likelihood that that happens. But until then, if I had to predict, if I had to place my crystal ball right now, if you made me predict where he's going to end up, I still go with UCLA at least until he visits Wisconsin. All right, I, I would like UCLA better than Wisconsin, but I just want this stuff to end. I really do. It's kind of like every day. I, I would have thought these decisions would have been made by now, but they're still very much up in the air, so we'll find out and wait and see on uh, Jackson Dart and, again, uh, what Caleb Williams is doing. And it's crazy to think if we would have said, you know, when, when Caleb Williams – uh, first went into the portal that, you know what, people are going to be much more concerned about what Jackson Dart is doing than <laughs> Caleb Williams. But that's the day and age we live in right now in the portal, right? It, it just gets crazier. All right, uh, tell me about the kid who decommitted from Oregon, the four-star defensive end from Trainer Eagle, Grayson Halton, right? <laughs> there you go, Grayson Halton. And he was in Norman for an official visit over the weekend. This was one that OU started to creep into even before the staff turnover at Oregon and even before Oklahoma initially offered him back on December 30th. You heard some rumblings behind the scenes for OU, nothing really in the public eye, but when he got the OU offer on December 30th, it became pretty clear at that point in time that the Sooners were going to be a player down the stretch. And he de- So he decommitted yesterday, Mike, a day short of a full year after he initially pledged to Oregon. So he had been in the boat with the Ducks for a long, long time. Now, it looks for all the world, especially given that the decommitment happened when it did, that Oklahoma is going to be the landing spot for Grayson Halton. So that would be another huge get down the stretch for Brent Venables, especially because, I mean, you think about the guys that they've secured without even getting in the race until December. Nick Evers and Jaden Gibson are at the top of that list. It took Jeff Levy like 72 hours offer to commitment to close those ones. And so the fact that Oklahoma has been able to bolster their recruiting class down the stretch here with guys that weren't even on their radar when the old staff was in the building is pretty dang remarkable. Jaron Kanak, obviously, and uh, we'll see what's going to happen. Uh, but everybody seems to think Grayson Halt is going to wind up at Oklahoma. That'd be a good get for the Sooners down the stretch, no doubt about it. Any other uh, – you know, we're still waiting on uh, two locks, right? Two locks. 
Yeah. Yep. And so any other surprises down the stretch you see for this class and uh, what's going to be happening in a couple weeks? Okay, so let's just lay it all out here. You have seven unsigned prospects down the stretch that Oklahoma is legitimately in the race for. You have the two five-star offensive linemen in Devin Campbell and Josh Connerly, right? You have the Michigan commit and San Diego area linebacker Cavante Henry, whom the Sooners hosted on an official visit, not this past weekend, but the previous one. You have the Cardinal Gibbons teammates, R. Mason Thomas, the edge rusher, and Ahmad Moten, the defensive tackle. And then you have Jamarian Burt, the former Florida commit, defensive back, as well as Grayson Halton. So you're really honing in on those seven guys as potential ads for Oklahoma down the stretch here. Now, you will have a definitive answer as to whether Oklahoma is getting any or all or however many of those seven guys. Uh, you'll have an you'll have a definitive answer on six of them by National Signing Day, which is one week from today. Josh Connerly is the one. That is, that whole situation is going to remain unresolved for long after that February signing day date because he's already said he's going to take at least until March to make his final decision. So, much like JT Tuamaloa was with the class of 2021, where everybody was waiting on the number one prospect in the nation to make his decision on into July, Josh Connerly right now uh, is regarded nationally as a top 10 overall prospect. And he is going to be the big fish that remains in the pond long after everybody else has already been reeled in by XYZ school. So the Sooners could move in the uh, rivals team rankings from what, 10 to maybe 8, 7, 8 in that range if they close uh, really well? What do you yeah, think? Yeah, so right now, well, it depends on which metric you look at, right? Because if you're just looking at the high school prospect rankings Oklahoma right now per our 24-7 sports team rankings is at number 10 and could reasonably rise as high as number seven in theory now if you look at the overall the proprietary rankings that 24-7 sports just introduced last month which combines transfer portal additions and traditional high school signees which is the true way to look at it now exactly oklahoma has the number eight overall class right now in the nation so again kind of depends on which metric you're using and naturally if they got jackson dart and or michael trigg that would give them a massive boost in those overall team rankings uh but there's there's a lot to be decided down the stretch for Oklahoma. I think a lot more so than most of the teams that they're doing battle with uh, down the stretch for one of those top 10 slots. So I think Oklahoma, in terms of their high school prospect rankings, overall high school rankings, they're going to be somewhere in the 7-9 to nine range by the end of this all. In terms of overall, they could make a push for a top 5 class. I'm not convinced it happens, but... You get Dart and Trigg on board, that's a, like I said, mm-hmm. huge boost to those odds. So I would say comfortably seven to nine range for honestly both sets of rankings. And again, you think about uh, the instability that was in the program after Sunday, Bloody Sunday. And uh, of course, Captain Bob Stoops uh, jumped on board and, uh, you know, commandeered the ship and got uh, the Sooners through the icy and uh, stormy waters and uh, preserved, uh, you know, the program basically. He's a hero, he's a real American hero. 
And uh, based on where Oklahoma is right now, I think they've recovered really well. They have recovered um, in a great way, as Bob would say. They have. And that's good news for Sooner fans with more possible uh, commitments and eventual signees to come for Oklahoma. All right, here's a question today on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439, 405-651-3439. What is the dumbest, most ridiculous thing you have heard or seen since this crazy year started with OU in Texas to the SEC through right now. What is the dumbest or most ridiculous thing you've heard or seen uh, since, again, the conference realignment with the Sooners and the Longhorns going to the SEC? That announcement through now because we have had a crazy, crazy year in college football. I've got one that I'm going to tell you about when we get back. Uh, so let's light up the Air Comfort Solutions tax line right now, 405-651-3439. Also, when we get back, Sooners win. The Sooners win. Oh, John Denver, I'm here in Country Roads right now, and it was a it was a nice victory. The Sooners in that four-game losing streak with a victory over the Mountaineers in West Virginia last night. We'll hear from Porter Moser coming up, and we want to get your text. So let's start firing those in right now, 405 651 Thirty-nine. All right, stay with us here on the ref. I don't think there is any possibility of that song ever getting old. And uh, we said it was a good sign yesterday that Tanner Groves looks like, if you put a coonskin cap on his head, he looks like the Mountaineers mascot. So that's true. You know, we kind of predicted that. Yes. And Tanner Groves uh, woke up 21 points, six rebounds. Sooners win the game 72 62. Jacob Groves inserted into the starting lineup. You had Elijah Harkless only playing four minutes last night, and Jacob played well 12 points, four rebounds. So between the Groves brothers, 33 points and 10 boards, they both shot it well. Uh, Mo Gibson had a nice game. Jalen Hill, nine points, five rebounds. And then you get a guy like. Um, uh, Marvin Johnson coming in and contributing six points and four boards in 21 minutes. Parker, that was a little changeup from Porter Moser, and it worked out, and the Sooners' four-game losing streak is history. And look, it was a phenomenal decision, I think, by Moser because, you know, we've talked about Tanner Groves' struggles, and he has struggled thus far in the month of January. But if there was one guy on this basketball team that really just needed to get his head right – it's not Tanner Groves, it's Elijah Harkless. And he's shown flashes of brilliance during his time as a Sooner. Last year, he was one of the best on-ball defenders in the country. He's been, he's pulled out some daggers in crunch time in terms of his ability to drive and shoot. This is a guy that has a lot of talent as a basketball player, but he's been playing very recklessly over the last couple of weeks. And so, look, I'm not saying Elijah Harkless should ride the bench for the remainder mm-hmm. of the season because he shouldn't. He's still a plenty talented basketball yeah. player, and he's going to be back in this starting lineup. But I think yesterday was a nice maneuver by Porter Moser to take a guy like Marvin Johnson, who was excellent in the limited minutes that he got against Baylor over the weekend, sit Elijah Harkless down on the bench and just say, take a breather, Get your head right. We're going to roll with somebody else, and we'll see what happens come the weekend on the planes. But 
Loved the contributions from Marvin Johnson. Obviously, Jacob Groves, that the half-court shot that he hit at the end of the first half was big in terms of momentum going into the locker room. But on a four-game losing streak like the Sooners were going into Morgantown that last night, it was about time for Moser to shake up something. And I think he pulled all the right strings. I like it, too. And as you said, this they're going to need Elijah Harkless uh, down the stretch. This isn't the end of Elijah Harkless. This is a, uh, a move by Porter Moser, and we'll see You know, if Jacob Grove starts uh, against Auburn coming up Saturday in that game uh, at 1 o'clock. But uh, I, I like the move. Shake it up a little bit, see what happens. Pay dividends for the Sooners. They end the four-game losing streak last night. And, uh, yes, the head coach, Porter Moser, sounded pretty happy with T. Rowe after the ball game. Man, they, they showed a lot of fight, yeah. Toby. You know, they uh, you know, were asking questions about if we're down or, you know, all the, the, the different things. And, yeah, we're, we're, we're unhappy we lost, but, like, every day is a fight. I told them to match my energy and, and the coach's energy in practice. You know, there's a lot of fight in there. Where there's a lot of, to play for. And uh, we, we were, going through cra- were going through a crazy stretch every, every game. But, man, our practices, our focus, the fight that they had, the belief they had. I mean, the great scene in the locker room right now. I mean, just the belief they had to come in in this venue, in this, in this atmosphere right here, yeah. um, and uh, pretty much from start to finish. And, uh, you know, I, it wasn't pretty at times, you know, with the turnovers. Um, but, man, got a lot of guys made a lot of plays. We, I thought we played together. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the guys were the energy amongst everybody. The Everything was really good. So you get uh, a good feeling again before you go play the number one team in the country in Auburn, Alabama on a Saturday. Remember, Auburn struggled on the road and just get by Missouri, their uh, best player, Jabari Smith, who uh, could be the number one overall pick in uh, the NBA draft. A struggle shooting the basketball big time. But Auburn was able to win the game. So the Sooners again, you know, go take your shot. See what happens. Uh, it would have been really difficult to go – on that trip and think about, man, we've lost five in a row. Now they have a, at least a little bit of momentum and a good positive feeling going into that matchup. So that's good. No but, doubt. And, you know, like like I've been saying all week, as a fan, as an outsider, you cannot look at that matchup on Saturday and expect Oklahoma to win that basketball game. If you're projecting the rest of the season, you're probably chalking that one up in the loss column. But – it does do Oklahoma some good to now have some positive momentum and be back on the upswing after a hard-fought win in Morgantown. And look, they, they kind of tried to give that game away down the stretch. Like Porter Moser said, it was not always pretty, and turnovers continue to plague them. But 17 last night. Yeah. But you got Tanner Groves hot once again, 21 points on 11 shots, Mike. That's, that's not just excellence that's efficiency yeah it is and that's something you really like to see from the guy that needs to be your primary scorer you got cj nolan back in the mix i'm really interested to see whether marvin johnson can continue to build on the couple of strong performances that he's had but look at the end of the day the sooners have the type of team like that is capable of hanging with and beating with beating anybody in the country because they play balanced they play scrappy on defense and they don't rely on a single lightning rod to elevate them. And look, come tournament time, they're probably going to wish they had that guy that can go for 25, 30 points on any given night. But in terms of their game-to-game capacity to hang with a team that ostensibly is more talented than them, uh, I like the way this team is orchestrated in that respect. And I think Moser's doing an outstanding job, regardless of what the win-loss column says, because – 
the expectations were only going to be so high for a team with nine transfers and a brand new first year head coach, right? But this team has done a lot of good things. There's a lot to improve upon. And I think there's also some encouragement to be found there because it's pretty clear that this program's best basketball is still ahead of it. Yeah, and, and you talk about uh, the t- roster turnover, new coach. I think Porter Moser, again, a great hire. But you're also playing in the toughest league in the country. I mean, uh, there are very few breaks in the Big 12. Even some of the bottom dwellers, you know, in, in the conference, uh, you know, can jump up and beat you. There's no doubt about it. And the Sooners get it done last night, 72-62. One more uh, comment from Porter last night talking about the contributions of Jacob Groves and Marvin Johnson. I thought Jacob Groves came in. We gave him yep. the start tonight. I thought just because he's just been, you know, he cares so much and his 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 practice habits and being on top of stuff. I mean, and I thought Jacob came in and gave us night. And I thought Marvin. Marvin's been practicing so much better, and he's been focused on doing the little things, and he's getting caught up in a lot of things. And I thought Marvin gave us a tremendous energy yeah. um, with this, with his um, his ability to, uh, his athletic ability to, to get some, make some things happen. Um, and uh, so I like him and his progress of, of these last couple games. There you go. Now, uh, I guess you can put Marvin Johnson on the list of greatest Eastern Illinois athletes of all time, along with uh, Tony Romo and Jimmy Garoppolo and uh, Kevin Duckworth, who used to play for the Portland Trailblazers back in the day. Who was the uh, the third baseman for the Royals way back when from EIU? It was uh, way before you were born, I believe. Okay, well, Kevin, Kevin can... Seitzer. Uh, I believe is an Eastern Illinois guy. I think Mike Shanahan uh, was an Eastern Illinois guy too. The but, fact and, that this stuff's just rolling around in your brain, Mike, it well, never, never gets any less impressive. Here, it's it's long term memory. Ask me something again from two weeks ago. I don't have no clue, none whatsoever. All right. Uh, by the way, coming up at one thirty five today, George Stoya, Denver Gazette's going to join us. The Broncos are hiring Nathaniel Hackett away from Green Bay, their co offensive coordinator for the Packers, to be their new head coach wow so a little aaron Rodgers action there maybe we'll talk to george about that and also what we're going to have with parker and george stoya you have i believe the greatest graduate of the ou uh journalism school on the broadcasting side in like the last decade and i believe the greatest on the print side in like the last decade so how about that it's pretty impressive. All right, let's get to the text line when we get back. Stay here. The fire really started with the announcement of the uh, Sooners and the Longhorns headed to the SEC last summer, and it's been blazing furiously ever since in the world of college football here in the state of Oklahoma. You know, we thought that was crazy. And then you had Muleshoe leaving for L.A. You had uh, Spencer Rattler replaced by Caleb Williams. He was the preseason. He was the number one player in the ESPN player rankings before the college football season. Spencer Rattler. And uh, replaced, I mean, you talk about craziness. And now, you know, uh, Caleb Williams in the portal, uh, despite, uh, you know, complete adulation from the Sooner fan base, he decides, you know what, I need to look around. And uh, I mean, it's just been absolutely insane. How biz- it, it, Consider this, Mike. Imagine telling yourself that any school, let alone Oklahoma, would have two five-star quarterbacks on the roster prior to the season beginning. Both of them would start 
and then both of them would be in the portal by season's end. Yeah, it, crazy. I mean, nobody could have anticipated this. You could have gone to a Hollywood uh, producer or director and say, hey, man, I got a script for a, cl- uh, a college football season that, yeah, that kind of goes uh, crazy. Uh, there's a lot of plot twists in this deal, a lot of character arc. Uh, what do you think? Read my script. And they would go, dude, this, we, we can't believe this. There, there's not this much that could happen in a season. All right. All right. You want to turn this into a comedy or something? Okay. But no. So what I want to know on the Air Comfort Solutions text line today, or at least to get us started today, 405-651-3439, what is the most, what is the dumbest or the most ridiculous thing you've uh, seen or heard during this time period from uh, OU Texas to the SEC to where we are right now. And let's get to some text right off the bat. Well, let's start with a uh, very, very simple one. Tebow acting like SC is a better program than OU. All right, there you go. (laughs) Being inside the Cotton Bowl on October 9th can't be topped in terms of crazy and ridiculous. That's more of an experience. Yeah, that that works. I tell you what. I, I don't know that I will ever watch a football game that measures up to that one, I just mean, in terms of the overall experience. Texas was about to blow the Sooners completely out of the Cotton Bowl. And think about what Sark's season might have been like had they, you know, had Caleb Williams not come in and saved the day for the Sooners and Oklahoma made the plays to have the greatest comeback in, uh, in the history of that game, what it might have been like, again, in that situation. You may have never had G of the Monkey, the pole assassin, any of that stuff. Casey Thompson might still be there, but he's in Lincoln, Nebraska now, competing with Chuba Purdy. Oh, boy. Crazy. Yeah, they're going to see – that's the weird thing, too, is not only are they going to see Casey Thompson again in an OU – or in a different uniform, they're going to see Adrian Martinez again in a different uniform. K-State, that's right, Yeah. <laughs> Benching Caleb versus Baylor, says one listener, was mind-numbing idiocy. I agree. Mind-numbing idiocy is the worst kind of idiocy. I mean, there's regular idiocy, and then there's mind-numbing idiocy. Oh, here's another beautiful example of Muleshoe's hypocrisy. Tebow trying to keep Chandler Morris from transferring to TCU, then taking seven from the Pac-12 to USC via the portal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it's he's got his own rule book. Tracking planes, says one listener. <laughs> that is out of control. That is crazy out of control. Someone says, Parker saying Caleb Williams is a guaranteed number one draft pick. I mean, if you can pull the receipts on when I said that, I'd, I'd love to see them. But Because, look, I did say I would be surprised if Caleb Williams isn't the number one overall draft pick in 2024 because he's just that type of generational talent. But now, is he saying nothing, nothing's ever a guarantee. If it's a number one draft, okay, so he's talking about number one overall. Yeah, yeah, Okay, number one overall. Yeah, and I like, mean, that's not out of the realm of possibility. Now, he's going if he goes to freaking Wisconsin, who knows? And, um, and that's, another, that's one thing another listener says. Dumbest thing I've heard is Caleb leaning towards Scani. And he hasn't visited. It'll be negative six this weekend in Madison. Well, isn't Carl Williams also friends with Bobby Ingram, too? So is this, you know, and uh, I didn't know he was, is is Caleb, like, infatuated with Russell Wilson, too? Uh, there is there is a relationship there and a good one. Okay. And that where did that relationship come from? Any idea? I mean... Offhand, I mean, no. Have they, like, met each other or... I, I'm assuming so. Yeah. So, uh, oh, this one takes the cake. The Drake performance at Venables rollout with Davo. <laughs> That's right. 
That's right. That's a good one right there. Here's mine, all right? The most ridiculous thing that you have seen or heard, whether it's Twitter or it's maybe it's something I said, maybe it's something another host said or whatever, a message board, uh, you know, post or whatever. But the dumbest thing that I heard, this happened right after the announcement. Well, not right after, but within the first couple weeks of uh, the Sooners in Texas making the announcement they were going to the SEC. And it was some people who were floating the notion out there that, well, Oklahoma, you know, they they don't have quite as much money as Texas. And, of course, uh, during the pandemic, the athletic department didn't take in as much money. But you know what? Texas is going to pay their way into the SEC. Texas will take care of it. Like, I mean, Chris Del Conte, I'm sure, and Joe C. have a relationship and know each other, and they know what – they need to do uh, to further their programs and what the landscape of college football is going to look like, you know, or at least try and predict that over the next decade or so. But I don't think there was ever a discussion where the folks at Texas were going, you know what, we could get to the SEC next year, but, oh, you need some help. Let's go ahead and, pay, you know, let's write them a check for $60 million. You know, there's $60 million short of the buyout that we need. No, that was never going to happen. For me – it's the assertion that Jamar Kane and Brian Odom were coming back to coach the bull game to try and recruit players to USC for Muleshoe. Mm-hmm. Jamar Kane was never bought into USC at all, as evidenced by the fact that he was there for about 10 days before he jumped ship to LSU. Yeah. And Brian Odom's a sooner, people. Like, Brian Odom didn't take that job at USC because he wanted to. Well, and yeah, exactly. I saw, did you see uh, SC put uh, that picture of all the staffers out, you know? Um, And Brian Odom's kind of like in the background, and everybody's got a big smile, and they're holding up the V sign or whatever. Some of them are. And Brian Odom's kind of in the background, and he looks like he's like, what am I doing here? I mean, he'll do a great job because he's a good football coach, but... Yeah, those are the guys that just got swept up in the mule shoe tsunami. They're, they're, you know, they're just trying to grab onto a tree and hang on. And they're good football coaches. So, I don't know. But, again, to me, was there's got to be – the one about the, the flights is pretty good. Um, mule shoes play calling. There was some interesting stuff that happened this year, definitely. Several people have said that on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. We are close, very close, says one listener. Yeah, oh, yeah, guys, we're so close. I mean, we're just, uh, I know I keep saying it, but, you know, guys, we're so close. Here's (laughs) the deal, too. The great mystery that we said, uh, we are going to try and call the producers at Dateline and say, hey, man, can you guys get Keith Morrison on this? We're trying to figure out where a certain football coach was during a certain week. There was a mystery uh, absence. And we're trying to get a Dateline story on that. Keith Morrison, where was Lincoln coming up on Dateline? Mule Shoes Brisket, says one listener. Was That that was prior to. Yeah, that doesn't really. Still, on, on the timeline, that doesn't really qualify. His, his, his brisket has become uh, a major. Uh, it's almost it's a meme basically that has also been tweeted when you talk about the uh, all the the students together with the red solo cups just staring at the camera uh, the brisket might be number two behind that in terms of responses 
to anything tweeted out by SC. Okay, here's another one. Parker saying Venables will keep the best in-state players. Luke has the best in 2023 committed to Arkansas. Yes, Luke has did commit to Arkansas, but there's an extenuating circumstance there, people. Do not take that as evidence as to the fact that Brent Venables isn't going to recruit the state of Oklahoma heavily and be very successful in doing so because Luke has has plenty of familial ties to the University of Arkansas and that recruitment was one that was directly handled by one mule shoe himself so mm-hmm. throw that one out I know I know it's kind of the glaring counterexample and it's the easy one to point to but beyond Luke has and look, I'm not saying Oklahoma's going to land every single player in the state of Oklahoma. There will be a guy every now and again that decides he would rather be a poke or decides he would rather go out of state. And we've talked about this time and time again, right? Not every player that grows up in the state of Oklahoma wants to be a Sooner. But what you are going to see, more so than you've seen in recent years, is that on the whole, the majority of the elite in-state talent in the state of Oklahoma is going to end up at OU. I would wager very good money on that. Yeah, and, and I agree. And look, Oklahoma State's program's going great right now. You talk about the biggest win in school history, I think, in the Fiesta Bowl. That comeback against Notre Dame was unbelievable. I think Mike Gundy is in a better spot than he's been in in a long time as the head coach in terms of the administration there. I think he loves working with Chad Weiberg. Uh, he and Mike Holder butted heads on a lot of things so I think Gundy uh you know and they just got Derek Mason as the defensive coordinator so yeah I mean Oklahoma State is a good solid program and believe it or not folks I know this is the home of Sooner fans there's some Oklahoma State fans in the state too and they're uh they're good fans and they're uh, you know I think they're feeling good about their program right now and like I said when the Sooners and the uh, Longhorns eventually get to the SEC Oklahoma State is in a good position right now to be the dominant program in the new Big 12. I think that would be awesome. It'll be them and Baylor yeah buying for it well it kind of depends on where Cincinnati and Houston mm-hmm. are at that point if Luke Fickle is still at Cincinnati, then they're in the conversation. And if Houston continues their upward momentum under Dana Holgerson, they could be in that conversation as well. But you look at the status quo, it's Oklahoma State and Baylor. I'm with you. Yeah, Mike Gundy versus Dave Aranda could be fun in the future, there's no doubt. All right, and Gundy's press conferences are vastly superior to the cyborg Dave Aranda, whose press conferences are sponsored by Somonex. All right, we're going to take a break right here. More uh, text coming up. Air Comfort Solutions text line 405-651-3439. Most ridiculous or outrageous or ridiculous thing that's happened since the OU Texas move to the SEC through now. Let us know. We shall return. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. How are we doing? How you doing on this Thursday? Uh, Ron Witsit, one of our listeners, thank you for the delivery. Uh, he just uh, delivered right here to the radio station, the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network, a box full of Mule Shoe Snake t-shirts. So uh, thank you, Ron Witsit, longtime Sooner fan and listener. We appreciate the delivery. And uh, I just tweeted out a picture of his design. So there you go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Air Comfort Solutions text line is available to you at 405-651-3439. Thanks again, Ron. That's uh, good stuff. 
Uh, again, we are asking for the dumbest, most ridiculous, craziest thing you've seen or heard since uh, the Sooners and the Longhorns announced they were going to the SEC through right now because this has been the absolute wackiest season of OU football on the field and off the field I've ever gone through. <laughs> here's, here's, here's a good one. BV and Dabo are a package deal. Yeah, that was the thing. And let me tell you, like, it, it was very hard for me. Like, as that all was going down, it was very, very hard for me to not at least give some credence to the notion that Dabo Sweeney might be in play for Oklahoma because of where that was coming from. There were people within the athletic department spreading those rumors, Mike. And I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to say any more than that. But the uh, well, what would be what would be the proper word? The subterfuge mm-hmm. regarding Dabo Sweeney ran very deep. I'm really not sure why that was because it was pretty obvious from very early in the week that Brent Venables was the lead candidate. But right. still, like, I'm not sure why there was such an effort to inject Dabo Sweeney's name into the conversation. But I will say, like, I I'll forgive anybody who fell for that because I and I remember I remember posting a note at OUinsider.com just basically saying, look, I can't believe I'm writing this, but I kind of have to. Like, Dabo Sweeney's name is being thrown around by people with credibility within the building. So, again, it was never the type of thing where you looked at the circumstances and said, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You kind of gave it a second da- thought when yeah, you wouldn't have, right? Exactly. I think that's what a lot of people did. And But then it got, as the uh, as the person who tweeted this earlier or texted us on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439, then when you started hearing about the – the Drake concert and all of that, then it's like, all right, okay. Here's another one from the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Parker, not ripping you. You do a good job. However, basketball-wise, you said OU could be an Elite Eight team. That's pretty crazy. That's from Steve. I'll stand by that. I think this team's ceiling is still the Elite Eight. Now, I feel like I've said it all along, and I'll continue to say it. If you ask me to predict how far they're going the tur- they're going in the tournament, I wouldn't say they're going to make the Elite Eight. Mm-hmm. I would put them in the round of 32 and give them an outside shot at making the Sweet 16. Here's the thing, though. I think Elite Eight is a reasonable ceiling for Oklahoma because assuming they make the tournament, which won't be that hard to do given the amount of leeway they will have in the toughest basketball conference in the country, so much comes down to the bracket that you get in March, right? Like, for instance, Oregon State last year. Oregon State was a team that arguably shouldn't have made the tournament at all. It's crazy. And they ended up making a run all the way to the Elite Eight and were very close to going to the Final Four. So I think when you combine the fact that Porter Moser has been there before, that this team has a lot of experienced guys that are capable of contributing, and it's very evident from the from watching them play that their best basketball is still ahead of them. I don't think it's asinine to suggest that this team has an elite eight ceiling. Again, right now, if you made me predict how far they go, I think they make the round of thirty two. But the ceiling, like the, you got you got to distinguish between the ceiling the floor, Mm -hmm. and a reasonable prediction. Right now, a reasonable prediction for this team is that they make the round of 32. The floor... Which would be two tournament wins. Which would be one tournament win. One tournament. Yeah, 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 you're right. So, my bad. 
the ceiling for this team, if everything goes their way, I think is the Elite Eight. I don't see them having the firepower to go any further than that. So I think that's the ceiling. The floor is things spiral out of control and they don't make the tournament because the Big 12 is so tough. And again, that's very realistic. You're looking at the spectrum of what is theoretically possible. I would say plausible. It, it's more likely that they don't make the NCAA tournament than they reach the Elite Eight. Now, I do think they're just going to squeak into the NCAA tournament. And yeah, one victory would be nice. Like I said... Uh, better things are ahead for Oklahoma basketball with Porter Moser. And, look, this team, they just turn the ball over too much. But I think, again, they play good defense. I think they're well-drilled. They just – you know, and they have good players, but they don't have a great player. They don't have, like, a couple of great players, like Jabari Smith at Auburn or Obagi at Kansas or, you know, um, just any of the elite players in college basketball. They don't have an elite player, but they are a good team in a very tough conference. And you do see teams go deep in the tournament without an elite player. It's less common that you see that, but it happens. I would argue when Loyola Chicago made their Final Four run in 2018, they didn't they didn't have an elite player. You wouldn't have considered Cameron Crutwig elite at that point. No, a good college player and so much fun to watch because the guy doesn't look like he could play, right? He's like, <laughs> that dude can't play. And like, oh my gosh, that dude can play. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Riverwind Casino, Super Points and Super Plays promotion. You want to go to the Super Bowl? Get out there Saturday at 5 p.m. They will be announcing the winners. You still have time to play with your wild card on the Gaming Capital Group machines. Be among the top point earners. And they're giving away multiple trips to the Super Bowl with airfare, hotel stay, tickets to the game, and $1,000 in cash. You can go to the Super Bowl courtesy of Riverwind and the Super Plays and Super Points and Super Plays promotion. Riverwind, simply the best. Be right back. Hour number two presented by the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Get over there, exit 72 in Paul's Valley. I mean, uh, you've got uh, a great reason to go to Paul's Valley. First of all, Paul's Valley, great, great place, great people. They have uh, what is it they have? Is it they have the? Uh, it's not the superheroes museum, but the action figures museum. I think in Paul's Valley, I, I believe that's what it is. And Seth Wadley Auto Group. I mean, uh, there you go, right there. That's get your action enough. figures. Get a newer new used vehicle. That's right. Go get an old school GI Joe. Put it on eBay. Sell it for double the price, and go get a great deal on a car or truck at the Seth Wadley Auto Group. In Paul's Valley. Hey, I was talking about Riverwind Super Points and Super Plays promotion. Again, if you have ever desired or thought, you know what, I'd love to go to the Super Bowl. That would be an awesome experience. But, man, who could afford that? Well, Riverwind has you taken care of. You need to get out and use your wild card and play on a specific group of machines on the electronic gaming floor. The Gaming Capital Group Machines. Rack up as many points as you can on your wild card, and the top-placing members, I'm talking multiple people here, are going to win Super Bowl trips, including your airfare, hotel stay, ground transportation, two tickets to the game at SoFi Stadium in L.A., uh, all that valued at $23,000. Plus, you're going to get $1,000 cash to spend on your trip. That's a heck of a deal. The winners will be announced Saturday at 5 o'clock out at Riverwind Casino. So you have time to get out there, play, and you know, win yourself a jackpot on the uh, Gaming Capital Group machines and possibly win a trip to the Super Bowl. Another great promotion from our friends at Riverwind Casino. Simply the best. Okay. Uh, 
Remember, folks, because we're asking you on the Air Comfort Solutions tax line at 405-651-3439, what's the most crazy, ridiculous, you know, laughable thing that you've seen or heard or read since uh, the, the crazy year began for the Sooners in college football? And it really all started with the announcement before the season that Oklahoma and Texas would be eventually joining the SEC. I mean, remember when – Conference realignment was actually a big deal. That's what we were talking about. We thought, man, nothing can top this story, right? Surely not. And this, this, I remember exchanges like this all the time. Yeah, I think this is one of the most amazing moments in, in college football history. And if, if this goes the distance, and right now I think there's a reasonably good chance it will, you're, you're talking about blowing up. The, the system that we now know it. And I think I've said that, and you, you've said it, and a lot of people have said it recently. I mean, how many times can we say this is one of those seismic moments in college football history? We just got through saying it about 22 days ago when NIL came along. But the idea that, that two of the biggest and baddest brands in college football could be moving over to what's already the best conference is, is just, uh, I'm, I'm gobsmacked by it. Uh, and, and what does it mean to the rest of the world? What does it mean to all the other leagues who are trying to catch up and, and now almost have no chance? There you go. And the wheels were set in motion. And uh, did OU in Texas do the rest of the league dirty? Yeah. Yeah, they did. They did. I mean, if Muleshoe did the Sooners dirty, you've got to call another dirty move dirty, right? And this was filthy. But it is also, I think, a good move for the Sooners football future, no doubt about that. Uh, when are we thinking, though, that this is going to happen now, Parker? You think one more year for Oklahoma in the Big 12? Dennis Dodds, you know, talking about the Big 12 eventually going to two seven-team divisions in 2023. Um, so what are you thinking? One more year? Do you think they'll actually wait out the entire grant of rights? I do not think they will wait out the entire grant of rights. I think this move will be done in 2023. That is my prediction. And, you know, there was all that buzz for a while that it could happen in 2022. And naturally, <laughs> it gosh, that feels so long ago that we were talking about that. All that has transpired within the OU football program within that time frame has just rendered that whole conversation an afterthought. But, no, I think it will happen in 2023 because I really don't anticipate that the Big 12 is going to be playing with 14 teams and that the SEC is just going to let the Big 12 play with 14 teams while they have a chance to make millions and millions off of OU in Texas. Yeah, and so that certainly changed the landscape. NIL came into play this year as well. Been dealing with the portal for a while now, and the Sooners have you know had a lot of good breaks in the portal. They've had a few people leave, but I think for the most part, the portal has been good to the University of Oklahoma. You think of Jalen Hurts, obviously, first and foremost. But uh, Bruce Feldman of The Athletic, their college football uh, writer, was talking about this the other day. There is no doubt the way that coaches are recruiting now is changing big time. There's just a lot of moving parts to this like i said because of the nil aspect of it because of so much uncertainty and i think for a lot of coaches now they're going to probably recruit as heavily off the portal if not more to kind of restock their 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 depth charts because i think they don't know as much about the unproven commodities of college recruits as they're coming out of high school and that's the part that i think is way different you're going to see a lot less high school players i think probably get offered because people are going to have to save room 
for all the movement that's going on with the free agency from the actual college players in the portal. There you go. And Parker, you were just talking about it. You guys have had to revamp your system of how you evaluate a recruiting class. Remember last year's class for OU, right? 16 signees. And, you know, people are like, okay, well, let's, you know, they were very, you could say, were they selective or what? Or, but think about how that class got better because of the portal, right? At the end. And some of those guys may not have panned out yet, like Wanya Morris. Uh, Eric Gray, I thought, had a good, but not a, just an incredible year for OU. Key Lawrence came on and became more of a factor later in the season, I think. Showed some versatility. But, um, and I mean, there's no way you can evaluate a recruiting class without the portal now. And that's why you guys just switched, right? I mean, you have another way to evaluate. You do exactly. the high school kids well, I mean, and then you combine it. Exactly. The way... That the portal has affected college football and more specifically the state of recruiting is immeasurable. Because look no further than Mule Shoe and USC for a perfect example of this phenomenon. Right now, they have the number 62 recruiting class if you're only looking at their high school commits and signees. You factor in transfers, Mike, they're number 12 in the nation. They have more transfers than anyone else in the country coming in. So the reality is <laughs> we are looking at a drastically different era of recruiting, and it's because legitimately there will be schools, and there are schools right now, that do the bulk of their recruiting out of the portal. For example, Texas State, I believe in the class of 2021, they didn't sign a single high school player. It was all transfers. And you're going to see schools do that, not to say that, They'll exclusively swing towards recruiting the portal, but there will be programs that very heavily rely year after year on portal additions to be able to fill out their roster and acquire impact performers. Because the other part, <laughs> the other thing that the portal offers you, in most cases, you don't have to develop those guys. Yeah, They're experienced. Yeah. They've it's, played football. The portal's like the microwave, and in many ways... Uh, it is. That's a great comparison. High school recruiting can be a crockpot. You've got to wait for a while before you get a, uh, the full meal, right? Now, there are exceptions to that. Five stars and some four stars who develop quickly, uh, you know, but... Yeah, it's, it's almost like instant gratification. We had thought initially that maybe Brent wouldn't use the portal that much. But look, you have to use the portal. You have to. Doesn't mean you do it as much as, you know, some of the schools that really rely on it. But, you, you know, you'd be crazy not to look there. I do think the fact that the Sooners lost, uh, had some turnover, and they, they probably had to use the portal maybe a little bit more than they had wanted to. But... Do you feel like uh, building your program and relying more on the portal or re- relying really heavily on the portal is kind of like your foundation is quicksand or just maybe not as, as solid as, you know, getting a great recruiting class with kids that are going to be there for a while and then just kind of supplementing that class with a few uh, really good additions through the portal every year seems to be the best approach. I think it's so hard to – answer that in just a blanket sort of fashion right right? because it varies based on your coaching philosophy based on your scheme and that's the big that's one of the biggest things when you're looking at guys in the portal is who fits your scheme who can you plug and play and trust that they're going to perform because 
For instance, if you have a quarterback that is tailor-made for your offense and maybe runs a similar playbook to the one that you use at your school, you're going to go hard after that guy because you know that he's going to be able to walk in day one He's not going to have to learn a whole lot, and you're going to be able to rely on him once opening day rolls around to be your guy. And that's not necessarily limited to quarterbacks. You can say the same for really any skill position guy across the offense. You can say the same for linebackers. Everybody on the football field is subject to the the fit, the the phenomenon of fit, right? And if you are a fit in a certain system, And if you're a coach who runs a system whereby you can look at the portal and find guys that very easily fit in that system, then you're going to be able to rely a lot more heavily on the portal than other schools, at least if you want to be winning games, right? Because I I feel like I say this a lot, Mike. You can throw a crap ton of talent on on the football field, put them all in the same uniform. But if they're not all on the same page, if the culture and the chemistry isn't there, you're not going to win. So if you feel like you can establish culture and you can establish chemistry with a bunch of portal additions in the mix, more power to you. But that's going to be a tough thing to do for most coaches. And so that's why I think you're going to see a lot of turnover, even more so than you have before in terms of <laughs> quite honestly, coaches being replaced, in terms of guys washing out at a certain school and getting replaced by a successor. Because There will be coaches and there will be staffs that try to leverage the portal and blaze their own trail and go where nobody has gone before to try and revolutionize the game. And for the most part, I think they're going to fail. There will be be breakthroughs. There will be innovations with regard to NIL and the portal that prove very successful. But on the large scale, look, you can't reinvent the wheel, Mike. And that's my concern. Naturally, as you look at Oklahoma and how they factor into the conversation, I think Brent Venables and his staff are going to be fine. I think they're going to be just fine. Because, yeah, we've heard Brent Venables say we're not going to rely exclusively on the portal. And you look at how things have transpired this offseason. They've brought in now 10 transfers, and it could be 12 if they land Jackson Dart and Michael Trigg. But, again, this is more of an outlier. Yeah. Just because of the nature of how Mule Shoe left it was, it and was the amount of chaotic. guys that you had hit the road, yeah. whether for the NFL draft or for the transfer portal. So this was the type of cycle where Brent Venables needed to add a whole bunch of guys via the portal. I don't think that need is going to be there. And in a certain sense, Oklahoma is going to be immune from the attrition that a lot of other programs will experience year to year because they're one of the more recognized and one of the more famed brands across all of college football. My guess would be maybe you see two or three a year from OU, maybe some like that i'm just guessing and uh, 10 as you mentioned uh is i think because of uh, the situation that the program was in there was a little bit of turmoil you know happening and that's why you you know when you got a chance to get a dylan gabriel in this situation uh, particularly with his talent and his relationship with jeff levy you take advantage of that or jeffrey johnson or trey morrison or mccade mattire these are all uh, you know, prospects who are going to be contributors and uh, hopefully in a great way, as Bob Stoops would say, next season for Oklahoma. All right, thank you to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley.
sponsoring our second hour here on the ref. We got two. We got a great first hour sponsor, Tim Lasher. Lasher Home Comfort Systems, great second hour sponsor, the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. I particularly like that, you know, that phrase, oil changes engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. I could have used that way back in the day when I blew an engine thinking that the oil just, quote, stayed in there forever. Yeah, I'm not a smart man. All right, we're coming right back. Head back to the text line when we get back here on The Ref. Okay, welcome back. It is a Thursday here on the home of Sooner Fans, Ref Radio Network. Mike Steely, Parker Thune with you. George Stoya, Denver Gazette will join us. Coming up, the Broncos. Making some news today, they hired Nathaniel Hackett, a co-offensive coordinator at Green Bay, away from the Packers to be uh, their head coach. And uh, everybody is drawing the conclusion, well, Aaron Rodgers must be going to Denver, right? Uh, That was the rumor again uh, prior to this season. We'll talk to George about that and some Sooner Sports as well. couple uh, questions, one off Twitter and one that was texted to me from Jack. uh, Jack 12C, okay. Uh, Steely, are you as big a homer for the OU women's softball team as you are for the football team? And the answer to that question is yes. Yeah, Steely's yes, just kind of a homer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. In fact, an OU women's softball would, in all honesty, be my sef- second favorite sport at OU. And, you know, and I, I look, I love basketball, and I, I think uh, Porter Moser's is a great hire, but... To me, uh, women's college softball, when you get to, uh, you know, the Women's College World Series, but in the job that Patty Gasso has done has been phenomenal. Like I said, she needs a very big statue. Uh, Arguably the greatest coach ever on campus at the University of Oklahoma, Patty Gasso. And when you think about the softball team before she got here playing games at freaking Reeves Park and everything, Marita Hines was very influential also. But uh, Patty has been unbelievable. And, uh, you know, JT, hopefully carrying on the legacy down the road. And uh, Sooner Women's Softball, yes, absolutely. The answer is yes. Oh, for, okay, from uh, Abe Floman. <laughs> Not Abe Froman, the Sausage King of Chicago, but Abe Floman. I, he must work <laughs> in the, I don't know, the water industry or oil and gas or something. I don't know. Uh, Steely, if you were stacking a wishbone backfield right now, how would you stack it? Hmm. Well, I mean, 1978 was pretty darn good when you talk about uh, fullback Kenny King. You talk about David Overstreet at uh, running back. We lost him way too soon in that uh, car accident. Uh, and Billy Sims. I mean, that's to me, is the best Sooner backfield ever. And that 78 team, if they hadn't fumbled it away in Lincoln, Nebraska, would have won a national championship. It was a great Oklahoma football team, no doubt. Um, but if I don't know if I'm stacking a wishbone now like a, like a fantasy team, I don't know. Maybe you could run uh, Kyler Murray as the quarterback. He would have been great in the wishbone. Um, uh, Jack Milner was great. J.C. Watts was great. I mean, Thomas Lott. Steve Davis, I've always said, is the most underrated Sooner of all time. But I, don't, I would have loved to have seen Kyler Murray in the wishbone because, you know, some of those guys could throw it pretty well. Mildred could. J.C. Watts could. Steve Davis was okay. And Thomas Lott was okay. And they were great wishbone quarterbacks. 
But I don't know. I, let's go if it's a fantasy wishbone. Kyler Murray at quarterback. Uh, would you put Adrian Peterson at fullback? And then maybe Billy Sims and Joe Washington as the right and left half. Okay, let me ask you this. What if you had to stack the wishbone with players on the OU roster right now? Ooh, man. I don't know. There's one guy that you have to have in the equation, regardless of where you're going to put him. Hmm. Who am I missing out? Okay, let me think. All right. One guy that's on the roster now. That has to be in the equation. Javante Barnes? No, Jaron Kanak. Come on now. Oh, Jaron Kanak is going to play what? Quarterback, fullback? He's going to play anything. He, All right. Just, probably fullback because that's the position best suited for him to just run people over. So You're making uh, Jaron Kanak out to be like Chuck Norris. I know we are. Well, But maybe he is. Maybe, maybe he, he could is. be. He could be the second coming of Chuck Norris. I mean, hey. Dwayne The Rock Johnson played football, didn't he? Yeah, he did at Miami. That's right. Um, Maybe Jaron Kanak has a WWE future. Maybe A.J. Ferrari already has one. And by the way, man, glad that A.J. Ferrari was all right. It was a scary deal. But uh, do you think that Jaron Kanak has ever punched a snake like Chuck Norris did? Or was that John Claude Van Damme? It was Van Damme, I believe, who did. You think he's just saw a snake out on the farm in Kansas, picked it up, and punched it? <laughs> Probably. Uh, you want to see him punch a snake, get OU lined up with a non-con <laughs> game against USC. <laughs> there you go. When you said you want to see him, I knew where you were going. I should have gone there, but you got you got there first. That's nice. Man, um, so you, you've got Kanak in there, I guess. I don't know. we got to come up with a nickname for Kanak. That's going to be our objective between now and the spring game. How about the Kansas Comet? No, that was Gale Sears. Yeah, um, yeah. it's got to be original. Um, hmm. Haystacks Kanak. What? I don't know. I bet he bailed some hay, right? <laughs> he's from Kansas, right? He probably, I bet if you ask Jerry Kanak, I bet he's bailed some hay in the day. Maybe. I'm not sure they're as big on that in western Kansas. I could be wrong. Really? I don't know much about western Kansas. Is it flat like the rest of Kansas? I tell you, what, I was actually I was actually going th- I was driving through Hayes this past summer. And of course I knew Jaron Kanak was committed to Clemson at that point. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that he was going to be a sooner, but I remember passing through and eating at a barbecue restaurant in Hayes and thinking, "Huh? There is a uh, national football prospect that is on everybody's radar in this little town." Hmm. There's Maybe also can, Fort Hayes State University. They can help us out on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, yes. Uh, the Hayes Haymaker? Uh, oh, that might be it. That, that's not bad. That's pretty good. That's pretty good, yeah. Oh, 405-651-3439. I, See the, I like the Hayes Haymaker. Or the Hayes Hammer. Mm-hmm. Those come from the same listener, by the way. So... Uh, we can uh, we can that, that can be our next poll. That can be our next social media poll. I like on the, that. Uh, the refs social media platforms. We go on Hayes Haymaker or Hayes Hammer. Hayes Hammer kind of rolls off the tongue better, but Hayes Haymaker somehow sounds just more intimidating. Yeah, and more now, menacing. Does uh, Danny Stutzman has a nickname? Right? Does he? A good one? Does he? I'm trying to think. Uh, no, because he and Ethan, he and Ethan Downs are like Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Right. That's their thing. Yeah, yeah. So Ethan Downs, man, he's a player too. He's a player, no doubt. And uh, 
I don't know. I, I just like what the Sooners have at linebacker. And don't forget, you got Deshaun White coming back too. For is this a year? How many years? This will be year five. Year five for Deshaun, for Deshaun White. White. Yep. And uh, Kobe McKenzie, also. That linebacker room is going to be loaded. It, it, if these guys live up to their potential, and uh, I, I, you know, not everybody does, but man, Kanak, if he can stay healthy, you just think that he's going to be a star, man. The Hayes Hitman. There's another good one. Yeah, I like that one. They're going to. I, I can already tell. Like the text line's popping off right now with suggestions. I'm just reading the best ones. So Here's as the we deal, as though. we roll on, there will be there will be additional. I remember uh, when when Boz was first on campus at OU. Back then, you know, football coaches have always been the most paranoid uh, group of coaches, and nobody else is even in the same ballpark. Uh, and I can see that because you had, uh, you know, uh, Spygate last year over at, uh, you know, on top of the J School. Uh, and I think was already paranoid as it was. And coaches, football coaches just are. That's just how they are. But we used to be able to go watch scrimmages. And I can remember the first time I saw Brian Bosworth. And you could tell that dude just loved to hit people. He was running sideline to sideline and just blowing people up, man. It was really, you're like, okay, that guy's a star. And you kind of get the same feeling about uh, Stutzman and Connect that they just love to play the game. And, uh, you know, you've got to have great ability, too, but uh, they look like they, they're they not afraid of contact and they enjoy contact and dishing it out as well. So, yeah, I think Oklahoma's in a really good spot uh, at linebacker, no doubt about it. Okay, we'll break right here. George Stoya coming up, Denver Gazette. Broncos making some news. We'll talk about that, a little sports conversation of the Sooner variety as well with George when we get back. Here on The Ref, it's a Thursday. Keep it here. Man, John Denver, we miss you. You got a double dose of John Denver today, Mike. I mean, Country Roads and Rocky Mountain High, those are timeless classics right there. And we're playing it for our man George Stoya, Denver Gazette. As I said earlier, I I think what we have is we bring George in. We have the the most talented graduate of the OU uh, Journalism School on the print side in the last decade. And I believe we also have the most talented uh, graduate on the uh, broadcast side in Parker. I mean, we've got – this is like, uh, you know, the the number one and 1A pick that we've got on the air here. George, how are we doing? Good. I don't know if I'm on on Parker's level or or there's a couple other names that come to mind, but I'm I'm honored to – join the show. No, you guys are young stars. I mean, you've already proven it. There is no doubt about it. So, uh, okay. So some news today with the Broncos, uh, with, uh, Nathaniel Hackett on the way and everybody seems to think, well, that means Aaron Rodgers is coming uh, to the Rocky mountains. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I, you know, it's, it's a name that obviously originally came up, um, as soon as they, they fired Vic Fangio, you know, only a couple weeks ago now, um, obviously a guy that is kind of a rising star um, in the NFL. He's been around um, for quite a while with the Bills offensive coordinator 2013-2014. Obviously spent uh, a few seasons with the Jaguars back when they made that run to the AFC Championship game in 2017 with Blake Bortles. And then uh, most recently you know, with the Packers here the last three seasons with Aaron Rodgers. And I think a lot of people obviously uh, you know, want to connect the dots and say, 
the Broncos are players for Aaron Rodgers, and maybe that's true, and, and I think that they will be if he ends up you know, leaving the Packers. But I don't think that really played a whole lot into why uh, they hired Nathaniel Hackett. I think that Hackett was a guy that really impressed them through the interview process. He's a creative, innovative guy, offensive-minded coach that really the Broncos have been lacking the last you know, several years since Peyton Manning retired um, back in 2015-2016. So um, I think that he checked a lot of boxes for them. He relates to players. Um, and it really wasn't a huge shock. I think the only shock was that uh, it happened at 5 a.m. this morning. I, I, from my understanding, the, the deal got done um, a little after 1 o'clock last night, and then obviously it broke early this morning. So, um, you know, I, I don't think it's a huge surprise. He was a guy that was at the top of the list from the beginning, um, and I think a lot of people here in Denver are pretty happy by the hire. Now let me ask you this, George. Obviously, since Peyton Manning retired, the Broncos have had a lot of instability at the quarterback position. Their first-round draft selection a few years back, Paxton Lynch, turned out to be quite a whiff. Jury's still kind of out on Drew Locke, although the returns haven't been overwhelmingly positive on him either. They tried the Teddy Bridgewater experiment. Now, when you bring in an exciting offensive mind as your new head coach, like Nathaniel Hackett, you naturally want to pair him with a quarterback that you believe can lead your franchise to the promised land. Let me ask you this. If that isn't Aaron Rodgers, what do you think the Broncos do at the quarterback position moving forward? I, I wish I had the, the answer for you, but uh, I think that that's kind of the, the big question, right, for the Broncos this offseason. And, and obviously I think they're going to pursue – Aaron Rodgers, if he's available, I know that they tried to pursue that last year when it looked like he might be available. I know that they also went after went after a Matthew Stafford last offseason and, and were strong contenders uh, in that as well. And, and new general manager George Payton, um, you know, has, has talked about going after and getting uh, the right quarterback for this organization. I think that you could see a situation where maybe they go after Kirk Cousins, who uh, obviously played in Minnesota. Uh, is still in Minnesota right now, and it's very familiar with George Payton, who was in Minnesota there uh, for, for quite a few years. You could see uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is a name that continues to come up, but it looks like he might be on the market this offseason. Um, you know, a Matt Ryan was somebody that has come up. I know the Falcons have come out and said that he, they believe he'll be the quarterback for them moving forward in Atlanta, but as we know, things change. But I, I, wouldn't, I also wouldn't rule out going and getting a rookie quarterback. I mean, when you look at Hackett, uh, and some of the quarterbacks that he's helped develop throughout his career, um, other than Aaron Rodgers, a lot of them are younger guys, a Blake Bortles type of quarterback um, that you could maybe pair nicely with a Nathaniel Hackett. And uh, I wouldn't totally rule that out, especially sitting there with the ninth pick in this draft. I feel like, you know, with this quarterback draft class not being as strong as maybe typical years, um, you know, you might be able to get a Matt Corral at number nine or, or a Kenny Pickett, uh, somebody that you feel really good about. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see if that's the, the, the direction they go. I mean, I still wouldn't rule out uh, them bringing back a Teddy Bridgewater. I know that there's been some, some talk about him moving on. I know that um, his camp is obviously looking for maybe starter-type money, but let's say they go out in the market and, and that kind of money's not there. It wouldn't shock me to see him maybe go back to the Broncos for uh, one more year and, and do sort of like a, a bridge quarterback situation where you bring in a rookie and Teddy's kind of that veteran to – to help be his mentor, something like that. And then, of course, you know, Drew Locke is still under contract, so, um, you know, he could still be an option too. But I think that they have several options, and obviously um, at the top of the list is, is Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson. Come on, George, you know what needs to happen? Baker Mayfield to the Broncos. 
Yeah, you know, I, that, that's not a name I wouldn't rule out. Um, and, you know, for me, it would be a lot of fun, uh, obviously, knowing Baker. And I think I came on here a couple of weeks ago, Steely, and told you that, that it would be great for me. But it does feel like Cleveland's going to stick with him um, at least for one more year. I think he has his fifth-year option, um, obviously, this next season. So I think they're going to try and, and see how that works out. But, again, in the NFL, man, you can never rule anything out. Um, you know, who knows what these teams will be talking about here in a couple months. Now, George, as an OU alum displaced to the great state of Colorado, let me ask you this. From your perspective, you look at the past two months, we are a day short of two months exactly since news broke that Lincoln Riley was going to be headed to USC. So kind of take us through how everything has transpired from your perspective and what you think of the new regime at Oklahoma. I really like it. Um, I think it's, it's, it's needed. I think that obviously, you know, covering Lincoln and, and um, you know, sort of the beginning of that era, I, I think that obviously he did some really good things and OU had um, some really good success. But I think when you look back at this last year and some of the things that happened, I, I don't think change is necessarily a bad thing, right? And I think when you bring in a guy like Brent Venables, um, who's, who's had you know, so much success at Clemson, um, you know, really a school that's, that's sort of like an SEC school. And you talk about what Oklahoma is going to have to go to um, here in the next few years when transitioning to that conference. I think that Venables is the right guy to do that. And I, I think that when you look at the, the staff that he built around him, I think that you can only be confident that it's going to be headed in the right direction. Now, are they going to go win a national championship next season? I, I would guess not. Um, you would need Dylan Gabriel to just be phenomenal, and maybe he will be. Uh, I mean, you obviously lose a lot of guys on, on both sides of the ball, but um, I think that the staff, if, if you can keep them in place for a few years, um, when you talk about Bates being one of the best, if not the best defensive line coach in the country, I think that was one of the best hires OU's had in the last you know decade or so, um, honestly, at, at an assistant coach position. I think that that's great. Um, I think that what they're doing with the, the recruiting office is great. They're expanding a lot of roles, it seems like, uh, and they're also hiring a lot of analysts, which when you look at the, the schools like Alabama and Georgia, uh, those coaching staffs are massive. They've got a ton of quality control guys, analysts, uh, strength coaches, those sorts of things. So I think that uh, Brent has it moving in the right direction, and obviously sounds like recruiting is going well. I know that um, they're in play for some transfer portal guys too, Jackson Dart. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure if that's going to actually end up happening, but I think that they're moving in the right direction. I, do, I just think that OU fans probably need to be a little patient because I, I'm not sure Brent – is going to win a national championship in his first year, but uh, I think he is the right guy um, for Oklahoma right now. George Stoy with us, Denver Gazette, doing a great job for them. And, uh, you know, family tradition at OU, graduate of the OU Journalism School. All right, before we let you go, I'm going to ask you the same question, George, that we put to our listeners today on the text line. Since this crazy year, which really started before the season when OU and Texas announced, you know what, we're going to the SEC, it has been the most bizarre, crazy, rumor-filled, truth-filled, just twisting and turning, I can't believe this happened kind of season for Oklahoma football. What is the craziest, weirdest, uh, most bizarre uh, thing that you saw or heard like on social media or, you know, from a message board or something that you can recall during the period between when that announcement was made that the Sooners and the Horns were going to the SEC and right now, what would be the one thing that stood out like, man, that's crazy. No way that can happen. Or that's really stupid. Well, I mean, there's a few that probably can't be said on the air um, (laughs) that come to mind from message boards. Some of the rumors 
um, that were going around, especially when Lincoln yeah, left. I, yeah, I, I, those are not cool. Yeah, um, but uh, I would probably say that uh, just Lincoln in general, I think that the whole, um, I think the peak of it for me was definitely Bedlam when they lost that game in, in honestly just horrible fashion. And you look back now and you're like, well, maybe they weren't the most prepared. But for him to come out, after the uh, after the game and say I'm not going to be the next head coach at LSU um, and then be the, the next head coach at USC um, within the next few hours, I think that that was the peak um, craziness for me. And I'll never forget, I was at the uh, Broncos game when that news broke that he was going to USC and people were giving me a hard time about Lincoln and if he was actually going to leave. I was like, no, no, no. He said last night he's not going anywhere. Uh, and then, of course, Bruce Feldman, I think, was the one that originally broke that news. I think that that was the, the, the biggest peak for me in terms of crazy news that came out of yeah. um, all this. But, I, I mean, again, there's so many rumors that oh, were going around. Crazy. Board. It was ridiculous. The one that I liked that was most comical to me is there were a couple people floating around the idea that Oklahoma, maybe they don't have the money to, uh, to do the buyout now and get to the SEC as quickly as they want, but no problem. Texas will help them with their buyouts. Like, you know, Texas yeah. is just going to float OU like, you know, $50 million or something to help with the buyout. I, I, that was the one. That, that one and uh, the other one that comes to mind, too, now that I think about it, is uh, during the coaching search, uh, I think Dabo Sweeney's name came up a yep. few times, and I yep. have no idea if there was any truth to that, but I remember that coming up, and I just was, like, mind-blown that was that was even maybe a possibility. It was supposed to be uh, Dabo and Brent as a package deal, and they were going to be introduced uh, with a Drake concert. So, But that never materialized. But you know what? I think Sooner fans are pretty happy with Brent, very happy with Brent. Hey, George, thanks for coming on on short notice today. We always enjoy catching up with you, and uh, we'll do it again soon. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Always appreciate it. George Stoya joining us here on uh, the Home of Sooner Fans, the Ref Radio Network. Thanks again to the Seth Wadley Auto Group at Paul's Valley. Exit 72, Paul's Valley. Ladies and gentlemen, get a great deal on a car or truck. New or used, doesn't matter. Oil changes and engines for life, gas or diesel, also included from the Seth Wadley Auto Group at no additional cost to you. Break time, one more award-winning, probably not, segment coming up next. Okay, welcome back, Eagles fan, or you like Jeffrey Lebowski? Yeah, I wouldn't have an Eagles fan. I'll listen to him. Man, I had a rough night. I hate the freaking Eagles, man. Can you change the station? Tell me you've seen the big Lebowski. I have not. Uh, <laughs> References over my head. Oh, my gosh. I'm tearing up your contract right now. Until... You see the big Lebowski, you'll be working without a contract, as far as I'm concerned. But, I mean, Casey and Brian will keep you under contract, so because they're good people. No, you need to see it. I think you'd like it. It's really, really, really good. Uh, and he mentions that he hates the Lincoln Eagles very much. You know, uh, the song that I got tired of, the Hotel California, they were well, like... I feel like everybody's been tired oh of that song my gosh. at one point. That song, Bohemian Rhapsody and Stairway to Heaven, uh, maybe even for a period. I know Meatloaf just passed away. Uh, but for a while, Paradise by the Dashboard Light was also on all the time. But particularly Hotel California. And by the way, it has my name in it. Stabbed it with their steely knives, but they just can't kill the beast. 
So you would think that I would like that song, but and occasionally I'll bring it back, but it's still I can play it like one time a month. Take it easy, I like quite a bit though. New Kid in Town was a great song, by the way. I still feel like that one's a little bit underrated. I love uh, love that song. Okay, uh, so Parker, people want to know the next thing to be looking out for in terms of the Sooners, whether it's the portal or recruiting. What are the uh, top three things that should be on the radar screen right now? Well, the Jackson Dart decision. Yep. Because it's got to come soon, right? It's got to come soon. And, and do you even put the Caleb's Williams decision in the top three now? No, you don't. Okay. Because, uh, he, because he's not coming back to OU. It's a foregone conclusion that he's not coming back yeah, to he's not, he's not coming back to OU, so at this point that is off the radar. I think it is that – it is the Miami visit this weekend for our Mason Thomas and Ahmad Moten to kind of see where those guys' heads are at heading into National Signing Day because, look, OU hosted them both this past weekend. They've got a really good shot at them. But Mario Cristobal and his new staff at Miami got a little bit of juice, and if they can if they can bring back the whole uh, Howard Schnellenberger State of Miami vibe, mm-hmm. they might have something on their hands there. So they probably not the worst uh, so that's worth monitoring. Uh, I also think visitors this weekend at OU's Junior Day, uh, and we'll be able to discuss that more in detail tomorrow when we have Brandon Drum on at one thirty-five, as we do every Friday. I think the Junior Day this weekend is also worth uh, staying in touch with because, or staying informed on, because I would be surprised. Let me put it this way: I would be surprised if we get through the weekend. And Oklahoma doesn't have at least one commit in the class of 2023. There you go. There you go. That is the latest. You and uh, Tyler will discuss that in a lot more detail coming up. Here's one more move the Sooners need to make. They're hiring analysts left and right, right? Yes. Mark Mangino. (laughs) Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. I had a feeling this was going some bizarre direction. Come on, bring back Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Let's do it. He's lost a lot of weight, apparently. Mark Mangino, man, he's a football coach. Any chance he'll come be a consultant? Come on, Mark. I mean, hey, I'd be down. I'd be down. I don't know if you're going to talk Brent Venables and the administration into doing that, but. Because he's been he's been out of coaching for like close to a decade now. Yeah, he? he has. But man, what a, what a job he did at KU, man! Like I said, Kansas went to a BCS bowl game. Kansas right now is about as far away from a BCS bowl game, unless you're you know talking about them playing Texas, of course. But as a program can be, I, Lance Leipold did a pretty good job actually down the stretch. But you know what I'm saying? They won a BCS bowl game. They won at Kansas. They were in a 1-2. Was it a 1-2 or 2-3? I think it was a 1-2 matchup between KU and Missouri at Arrowhead Stadium in the BCS era. How bizarre is that to think that that recently, Missouri and Kansas were the number one and two teams oh, in the nation. Is that not crazy? Todd racing way, against uh, Chase Daniel. By the way, because the uh, the old system was still in place prior to the uh, college football playoff implementation some, what, six, seven years later, Kansas got a vote as national champions that year. There was one voter that thought Kansas was the best football team in the nation. Man, yes, Mark Mangino, just consultants. No, call him the fixer again, just like, no, 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 what, the wolf. 
Harvey Keitel again in Pulp Fiction. Just have him be the head of all the consultants. All right, get on out to Riverwind Casino and uh, try and uh, win your way to the Super Bowl by getting the most points on the uh, Gaming Capital Group machines out there. And if you're one of the top point earners out there, Riverwind is going to send you to the Super Bowl. Get on the website, riverwind.com, and get more details. All right, locked in with Parker and Tyler coming up next here on The Rep.